Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we're breaking down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their 2020 fantasy football team preview. We've already touched on the NFC North, AFC North, AFC South, and the Carolina Panthers. So, we continue with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Here we go. All starts under center with the man, TB12, the GOAT, Tom Brady, Giselle's husband, whatever you want to call him. He is now in Tampa Bay. First time dude's been out of New England. It's weird, and I don't know. I think the expectations are too high, everyone, for this entire team, more or less. There's good players everywhere. Defense is incredibly underrated, and I get it. There's talent. It's a great upgrade for Brady. The dude is not washed, and, you know, looking at what he did last year, it it wasn't pretty. I mean, this was statistically by most metrics you want to look at his worst year since at least 2013 more likely 2006 now in both those occasions you know in even 2019 the patriots just had a lack of you know resources and weapons for brady to get the ball to their fully healthy unit last year wasn't that bad but down the stretch of last season each of edelman and sanu were all sorts of banged up nikhil harry's never really seemed right once he came off the ir i mean it wasn't all on brady last year the fact that the patriots couldn't consistently put up points i mean only dak prescott have more drops charged, you know, to his receivers than Brady. And Brady was still one of 14 QBs to have a QB rating over 100 on passes thrown 20-plus yards downfield. It's not like a Peyton Manning 2015 scenario where, you know, he just can't throw the ball downfield anymore. I guess my bigger concern is it's I'm, it's not as fantasy-friendly of a situation as I think everyone's making it out to be. I understand what Jameis did last year and, you know, just so many pass attempts in an offense with a coach whose entire moniker in life has been spent around the idea of no risk it, no biscuit. Unfortunately, everyone, Bruce Arians has changed his ways uh, with that idea. He's already, you know, saying that now with Brady under center, his new, uh, you know, life meaning is you can't go broke taking a profit, which, hey, it's worked obviously amazing for Brady and the Patriots over the years. I think it makes sense for Arians to tailor his offense around his quarterback, particularly, you know, when you look at the kind of issues he's had every single time a new quarterback comes in to try to run this scheme. I mean, PFF keeps track of turnover-worthy plays, you know, when a QB throws the ball straight into a linebacker's chest and he drops it. It's not an interception, but that would still count as a turnover-worthy plays, and the only three QBs to register at least 40 turnover-worthy plays in a single season since 06 have been Jameis in 2019, Carson Palmer in 2013, Andrew Luck in 2012, all quarterbacks in their first season with Bruce Arians. So I'm not saying Brady's going to have anywhere near 40 turnover-worthy plays next season, but I think he's not going to have the same fancy upside as we saw with those other guys. He's got the weapons for it, but I would just keep your expectations in check for this offense in general. As we'll you know, kind of continue to discuss, a lot of these guys are, are already priced very close to their fantasy ceiling on the backfield, which was a complete mess last season. Literally, three-down committee between Ronald Jones, Peyton, Barbie, Peyton Barber, and Dari Agobumboale. Sorry, Dari, for messing up your name there. But now we've added a fourth member to the show, LaShawn McCoy. Peyton Barber is now one of 20 dudes trying to play running back in Washington, and they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round. So things started off really hot for Rojo this offseason. I mean, Tom Brady called him Ron. Seemed like a big positive. He's one of, you know, he kind of with the James Conner, Austin Eckler, offseason warrior, uh, you know, season where these guys are showing up really jacked. Apparently, uh, you know, the latest word on Twitter is that Ronald Jones' calves just look fantastic upon reporting to training camp. 
I like Rojo, but that argument usually only applied to conversations that also included Barber. I just think it's still a situation where he couldn't pull away from Darby last year for pass down work. He got yanked off the field almost immediately upon blowing a uh, pass blocking assignment when they did want to give him the ball. He had a bunch of good plays, and I mean, he truly did. Like, he's not awful like we thought he might be after his rookie season. And Rojo, truly, you know, he has some ability to run the ball. He should be the favorite to lead this backfield in touches. But, you know, when they bring in LaShawn McCoy and they draft Keyshawn Vaughn in the top three rounds, and Arians talks about wanting that back that can be, you know, he compared, he, was, he said at the combine, he wants, you know, a true three-down guy, a Marshall Falk, an Edron James, someone he doesn't have to take off the field. I don't think he has that with any of these backs. I think the most likely scenario is we continue to see a three, even a four-back committee. This is what they did last year. Maybe Dari can be Brady's new-look James White, but I I would honestly be surprised if Andy's running backs are among fantasy's top 30 most productive guys at the end at the end of the season. And do not underestimate this LaShawn McCoy signing. I'm not saying Shady's going to go out there and do his thing, but he wasn't exactly completely washed last season. I know he was a healthy scratch in the Super Bowl, but we did see some vintage Shady, especially in September and October before, you know, he started to get some fumbling issues and before Damian Williams got really healthy again. So playing under Bruce Arians, who, you know, we saw him enable David Johnson to those heights, but what some people forget is it took injuries to both Andre Ellington and just an old man version of Chris Johnson for David Johnson to even get that chance to ball out as a rookie. So, you know, would not be the craziest thing Bruce Arians has done in terms of just running back pecking order for him to kind of shoot McCoy up towards the top of that depth chart. Now on to the wide receivers. We're talking about two of the top 10, maybe most talented receivers in the league here, and Mike Evans and Chris Goblin. Both of them last year were fancy wide receiver ones, and I get Goblin's case as the clear-cut number one fancy option this year. I have him above Evans, and it's easy. He's a slot receiver in this offense. Brady just fed Julian Edelman 153 targets. We're you know, not expecting Brady to be thrown downfield quite as much as Jameis, which would seemingly hurt someone like Evans. I get it, and I do kind of side with that. I would just keep in mind, I think we kind of overrate the slot work in general, especially for someone like Chris Goblin, where this guy can ball it anywhere over the field. You know, this was a point that I talked with, uh, you know, Yahoo's Matt Harmon um, about on the wide receiver pod from a few weeks ago, where like, yeah, it's nice to get in the slot, but when we have a talent as truly good as Chris Goblin, just get him on the field. The dude's going to be fine. I think having Gronk, having Howard, we're talking about a potential two tight end base offense almost, it just seems unlikely we see too many three wide receiver sets. They more or less ignored the number three wide receiver position. It's going to be Justin Watson, maybe Tyler Johnson. I just think Goblin's slot rate is going to get cut down a little bit, and that's okay because he is still so good. I still think he'll be that guy in the more underneath intermediate areas of the field, you know, reaping the benefits from Brady. We will see what happens, but Evans, I mean, he's not going away quietly either. Evans joins Randy Moss. Only players in NFL history with at least 1,000 receiving yards in each of their first six seasons. It'd be surprising if Brady's the reason why that streak breaks for sure. But, you know, looking at these wide receivers, the whole offseason, both of them have been in the top 12 ADP at the position. It's tough to enable two top 12 fantasy wide receivers. Now, we see an average of 4.3 teams that have 
uh, per year, two top 24 wide receivers in the same offense. I think the Buccaneers can certainly qualify for that, but two guys in the top 12, that's just asking a lot. Um, I do have Goblin ranked inside the top 12. Evans is a little bit lower down the list for me. Nothing to do with the talent. I just think this passing game will not be quite as fantasy friendly as it was last year. And now we got the tight ends. And I mean, what a tight end room we have. We've had 37 tight ends with at least 100 targets since 2017. Number one in yards per target is O.J. Howard at 10.4. Number two is Gronk at 10. I mean, I know last year wasn't great for Howard. It was awful for Howard, actually, as someone that pounded the drum to draft him, as someone that reached on Howard in many, many leagues. It was incredibly disappointing. And what I learned from that was, hey, when we have an offense with three high-end fantasy guys, you better be sure that you know they're going to be able to enable all three because it's pretty hard to get two wide receiver ones and a tight end one on the same team in the same year. And unfortunately, Howard was the one to miss out on that. Now we're kind of seeing Gronk creeping up too. And his, his ADP isn't at that tight end four, tight end five spot that Howard's was, but Gronk is being treated as a tight end one. And I get it. We're talking about the arguably, in my mind, the greatest tight end ever. You know, he's got averaging 68 receiving yards per game. That's the highest mark ever at the position. Maybe a year off was all he needed to regain his athleticism. I mean, 2018 was not pretty for him, but... This dude was still, you know, taking over the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl, at least for a drive or two here and there. You know, it wasn't like he was just incapable of catching the rock anymore. Certainly could see a scenario where he's, you know, really utilized in the red zone. Is he a better blocker than a receiver at this point? Potentially, but I just find it hard to believe that, you know, Gronk would come out of retirement, go on to Tampa to play with Brady and not have some assurances of usage as a receiver. So, I'm more okay looking at Gronk and fantasy drafts this year, closer to that tight end one borderline uh, than, you know, if he was creeping up in that 5-6 spot like Howard was last year. So, interesting things. I mean, one quick point on that. I had an article looking at, you know, the jump years for each uh, position in fantasy football, just in terms of where are the top 12 PPR performers coming from in terms of years of experience in the league. And at running back and wide receiver, it's exactly like what you'd expect, you know, second and third year, particularly Uh, wide receivers. We see, you know, up to their sixth year, still putting up a lot of wide receiver one seasons. But, you know, it's, it's a young man's game at those positions. Quarterback and tight end, not so much. I mean, 38% of QB1 since 2010 have been have had double digit years of NFL experience, you know, when they have racked up these seasons. 20% of tight ends that also holds true and that is the highest mark at any of these years. Now, I understand outliers like Brady, like Gronk, you know, your Aaron Rodgers of the world, these just future Hall of Famers are probably skewing these stats a little bit, but hey, we are talking about two future Hall of Famers, two goats in Brady and Gronk. So while running back and wide receiver, definitely a young man's game, don't be afraid to go to some of these veterans at quarterback and tight end because they are still very capable of putting up points there. So on to the ranks. I have Brady as my QB 11. He's going a little bit higher, usually ADP. I'm kind of happy to let someone else draft him at this point. I have Matthew Stafford, one spot ahead. Joe Burrow, one spot behind. You know, it wouldn't be the craziest thing ever if Brady leads the NFL in passing uh, next uh, this season like Jameis did last year. I just think that we're not going to see the same sort of fantasy-friendly downfield shots. Could be more of a ball control offense than we are giving it credit for. I have Ronald Jones as my RB. 
34, one spot behind Tevin Coleman, one spot ahead of Sony Michelle. He's a prime zero RB candidate. I mean, as the as the likely and you know projected touch leader in what should be an above average offense at a minimum. I get the Rojo hype just because again he's so cheap. It's not like you're gonna kill your team by using you know a seventh or eighth round pick on Ronald Jones. I have Keyshawn Vaughn down the list a little bit. RB 41, one spot behind Chase Edmonds, one spot ahead of Philip Lindsay. Honestly, you might even bump him down a little bit more with the uh, influx of Shady. I'm not really, you know, drafting Dari anywhere. It's just he's not going to get rush attempts. And as for Shady, man, maybe like a real late round pick on the guy can't hurt. But again, just a, more of a situation where I think Shady has the potential to come in, steal snaps, and maybe a few touches. Way less potential to come in and actually take over the whole backfield. A wide receiver, I have Chris Godwin at wide receiver 10, one spot behind A.J. Brown, one spot ahead of Robert Woods. Just a great player that should still have plenty of opportunity. I just don't think the top five, uh, you know, is all that realistic for him to get into again. But, hey, guy did it once, more than capable of achieving so again with enough targets. Mike Evans, wide receiver 18, one spot behind Amari Cooper, one spot ahead of D.J. Chark. And, again, like Evans is a top 10 wide receiver in talent. This, you know, fantasy football rankings are not about identifying talent. It's about trying to identify production. And I just think that this offense is not going to enable two wide receiver ones again, which is why, you know, I'm taking the stance that Goblin greater than Evans, similar to what I, you know, did with the Rams and with having Robert Woods well ahead of Cooper Cup. You know, some of these offenses, it's hard to do. Got to gotta adjust accordingly. Tight end. I have Gronk as my tight end seven. And this has led to me getting him in a good amount of drafts because he's usually going more around the tight end on borderline. I have Tyler Higby one spot ahead of Gronk, Hunter Henry one spot below. We just have questions for all these tight ends after the top three, and that's why, you know, I'm not going to reach on your Evan Ingrams, your Higbys, or your Gronks of the world, but I'm happy if they're going to fall to me at a more appropriate spot in the draft. So go on to the win total, which is set at 9.5. You got the Saints projected to win the NFC South still. Panthers are in the dumps. It, there's a real scenario where Tampa Bay, you know, gets going and they do fulfill these expectations. I mean, Falcons, 7.5 win total. They're not looking all that great either. I do kind of wonder if the Indianapolis Colts are the team that everyone wants Tampa Bay to be, but that defense was sneaky solid last year. I mean, you saw Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and really as the season went on, they started to form an actual nice one-two combo in the secondary because the run defense was there all season and that pass rush, oh my goodness, was definitely there. So if those young corners can continue to grow up a little bit, I think this team can be very, very good in real life. Fantasy prospects, you know, as I've explained, I'm a little bit lower on now that they're all being priced at their ceilings instead of the floor, but I will take the over on Tampa Bay Buccaneers at nine and a half wins. So thank you everyone for listening. This has been the 2020 Tampa Bay Buccaneers PFF Fantasy Football Team Preview. I'm Ian Harditz. Take care, everyone.